0: Let's now turn for our scripture reading to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read the first nine verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond-servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye-service as men-pleasers, but as bond-servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free, and you, masters, do the same things to them giving up threatening knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him congregation of our lord jesus christ as we uh, work our way through this uh letter uh to the ephesians and uh, we're in this practical section and we've been considering the the roles of of husbands and wives and now we we've come to the relationships of uh parents with children. Or perhaps we should reverse that because it's really we might say the child and then parent relationship. Uh and throughout uh this section we've we've observed that uh following the general exhortation given in verse twenty one, submitting to one another in the fear of God, then the apostle fleshes this exhortation out by addressing various Um, relationships in which submission is to be practiced. And that's why he begins in each case with those that are in that place of submission, beginning with wives. And, uh, then he addresses husbands, as we've seen. But then when he comes to, uh, the parent-child relationship, he addresses children first and then the parents. And, uh, as he moves on to, uh, servants and masters, he'll address the servants first and then the masters. And that, that reflects, you know, this, uh, this pattern of applying this general principle of, of submission as as uh, taught in God's uh, word. So we want to remember that context, but we also want to remember uh, the, the context of verse 18, where we read, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And we've seen that a Spirit-filled life is uh, what might be judged as a rather ordinary life. We're not pointed to ecstatic experiences or special gifts, but we're pointed to things like a life of thanksgiving and praise and a life of humility and submission to God-ordained structures. And now when we come to this word to children, we hear it also in the light of verse 18 that says, Be filled with the Spirit. And that includes children. Children are included in this exhortation to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, how is that possible? They can't talk. They can't understand preaching. They can't really do much of anything. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, we have this prophecy concerning John the Baptist. And that he would be filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. No, that doesn't mean that John came out of the womb prophesying. It doesn't mean that, uh, he immediately understood the, the Word of God and was especially sanctified and holy in a way that's so obviously mar- remarkable as a, as a six-month-old. But it does mean that according to his growing capacity, the spirit of enlightenment, the spirit of sanctification was at work in his little heart and mind making him receptive to the teaching that he would receive, giving him a tender heart. And we do not deny at all that that's possible for our little ones. We remember also, don't we, that uh, uh, children are among those who are addressed as saints. This letter is addressed to the saints who are in Ephesus. And among the saints... When Paul comes to specific application, yes, he dresses uh, saintly wives and saintly husbands and children. They're included in the assembly. This inspired letter by the Apostle Paul was no doubt read as a revelation from God to the church and included in the gathering of the church to which the word of God was read and no doubt explained were the children. Who were addressed specifically as members of the assembly. Children, obey your parents, the Lord said to them. You know, sometimes, uh, there are churches who have what is called children's church. And that involves the notion that children should have their own special service somehow. Maybe at the beginning of the, of the regular service, or maybe they should take, be taken out of the worship service. And there, they get their own little church. Brothers and sisters, every worship service is children's church, no less than it's teenagers' church, or middle-aged, or old people's church. Because the children, no less than the adult, are members of the people of God, and of his kingdom. And we don't say, oh, they're, they're incapable of receiving anything from it. They can't understand it. They can hardly learn to sit still. Well, they can learn to sit still, actually, from a pretty early age with uh, persistence. And we do not doubt that they can receive profound spiritual impressions and begin to learn the language of faith in the same way they learn to say mama and daddy by hearing those words repeated and being taught them and hearing them long before they can say them. Children are addressed as members of the assembly and church of God. And if we we love the worship of god we will want to share that with our children at an early age we want to we we'll want to cultivate that that love also with them paul addresses children directly here and i want to do that this morning god calls children to obey their parents uh very pointedly specifically as paul does children god calls you to obey your parents and we're going to begin by looking at the obedience that god requires of you And we want to take note from the very beginning that Paul quotes one of the Ten Commandments. In verse 2, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Or rather, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. He he quotes that. The fifth commandment. Now, it's obvious, right, that he quotes uh, one of the commandments. But it might be helpful uh to take note of it and maybe to remember it if you ever run into uh some people that say well we don't follow the law anymore that's old testament stuff often what they really mean is that we don't follow the fourth commandment it's rarely that people would say that if you talk about stealing or adultery but when it comes down to the observance of a special day out of seven oh we not we don't follow the law anymore or if it has to do with uh, what is perceived to be a, a rather strict interpretation or application of any of the commandments, contrary to uh, current tastes. And then it's legalism, any kind of strict uh, application of the Ten Commandments to life. Often that's viewed as rather legalistic. Well, Paul assumes that the commandment applies, and it applies directly to New Covenant, uh, New Testament Christians, And if number five applies, so do the other nine. Paul is unembarrassed at all to appeal to uh, one of the Ten Commandments to teach Christian living as those who are in Christ. We teach the, the Ten Commandments. And children, you can be thankful that your parents also give you commands. They tell you what to do. They tell you what not to do. You may not always like it, but it shows their love for you. You know that kids who grow up never hearing things like, don't take what doesn't belong to you. Don't hit your sister. Don't call people names. And we could elaborate on such things. In fact, we could even include such commands as, do your homework, clean your room, wash your hands, get ready for supper, and on and on and on. And so it goes. Parents give orders. They give directions to their children. What about those kids that don't get these kinds of directions? Are they really happy? Actually, some of them are very miserable. In fact, some of them, they, they act badly. Sometimes it appears just to get, get some attention. Children, like all the rest of us, we need, we need boundaries. We need rules. We need commands. In Proverbs, uh, 28, we read, that the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. A child left to himself. A child that's basically allowed to do pretty much what they want. They bring misery upon themselves, and eventually they bring misery upon others as well. So children, be thankful that you have parents who tell you what to do, because it shows that they love you. We need to hear under those in authority. That's... Actually, what this word obey, uh, suggests. To listen as those who place themselves under, not over what they're told, but who place themselves under it. To submit to it. That's what Jesus did when he was 12 years old. You recall the story? Uh, they went to the temple for the celebration of the Passover and Jesus stayed behind and he was, uh, Asking questions and talking to the teachers of the law. And they were astounded at his, at his knowledge and his wisdom. But then when he was restored to his parents, they had, they admonished him and he, he reminded them that he must be about his father's business. And he's referring there to his heavenly father. And indeed, Jesus had tremendous wisdom and insight even at the age of 12 years old. And he was sinless at the age of 12 years old. And yet we're told that he was subject to them. He submitted himself to his mom and dad. We learn also from our text that God calls you to obey. We might put it this way. God calls you to obey your mom and dad for Jesus' sake. That's what that little phrase, in the Lord, means. Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, that can sometimes limit this command. In other words, children, if they have parents that tell them to do things that are wrong and evil, well, then they're not to obey them. But that's, I trust, something that you don't confront, I hope. But more than that, the thing that we need to see is that children are to obey as those who are in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, as those who are in a relationship with him. They are to obey uh, as Christians. Children, don't ever think that uh, God doesn't care about your personal relationship to him when you're young. Think of those wonderful promises that we read in the form for infant baptism. How God the Father promises that he adopts us as his children, that he will care for us. He'll provide us with every good thing that we really need. And if we face hardships and troubles, well, they also will serve for our good. And the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ that he washes us from our sins by his blood. The promise of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to be our teacher. Now those promises are for you, however young you might be. God means you just as personally as if, as if you were among one of those little children that uh, parents brought to Jesus and he took infants into his arms and he blessed them. Why did he do that? Because they were so special and holy? No, because they were members of the kingdom of God. And that's why you've been baptized. Because you belong to the covenant people. You belong to the church of God. And you ought to see your baptism in in such a personal way as if Jesus himself took you into his arms and blessed you. And you're not to doubt that these promises are for you. You should respond to them, believing that they're true. And let that move you to love God, to trust in Him. And see this, this command, children obey your parents as a very important way of serving the Lord. It's an important part also of your Christian witness, especially as you get older, as, as teenagers perhaps. Yeah, you might engage, you might participate sometimes and in outreach events or or projects, and that has its own value. But you know what's probably more effective and important in terms of an ongoing daily basis? Your attitude towards your parents. How you talk about them, how you submit to what they want you to do and respect them. That's a pretty powerful Christian witness in our day. Remember that. And remember that this command to children is for all of us as children. In fact, the quotation from the law, expands it when it says honor your father and mother we may be in a position where we no longer obey our mother and father we're not under their authority and their household but we're still called to honor them we're to honor them in their old age and that often means some pretty basic things like visiting them paying attention to them if they can't read the bible for themselves to read the bible to them like they did to you when you were a baby you were young Help them to go to church if they're able. Do the kinds of things that show your love and respect for them also in their old age. That's a way of, of keeping this fifth commandment. Part of the obedience that God requires of us. But then secondly, we want to look at the reason that God gives for such obedience. Very simply, our text says, for this is right. What a simple, you might say, what a, what a obvious statement. It hardly needs any attention. Of course it's right. God commands it. And it's not just right for for that time and that day back in that old-fashioned culture where they had a, a hierarchical kind of structure, where uh, there was a patriarchal relationship between uh, fathers and their children and all these different levels of authority that reflect a totally different world. As if it was right for them, but no longer right for us. That's language that's used today, too. Oh, that's right for me, but may not be right for you. No, this is right. God says it's right. We can be sure of it. And we need to be sure of it in our day. Because this simple statement involves certain assumptions that the world is losing. Or they might be denying it assumes things that are rooted in the creation order, for example. For one thing, it's rooted in an assumption that we know what parents are. Children, obey your parents. And the fifth commandment kind of spells that out in detail when it says, Honor your father and mother. Parents means father and mother. Now, isn't there an assumption of what's called the, the nuclear family here? children. Father and mother. It doesn't even say, children, obey your grandparents and your aunts and uncles. It doesn't say, obey your two daddies or your two mommies. Such a thing is unheard of, if we think, with a Christian mind. It assumes that parents are the primary and God-ordained authority. Not the state, not teachers' unions or educational systems. Again, that's an assumption that many people are operating with today, more and more. It's as if, well, the, the the government, really the state, owns our children. And teachers really are the primary authorities and shapers of their lives. And so we've got teachers in, in uh, schools that uh, would keep secrets from their parents, the parents of their children. And they very intentionally and deliberately would undermine what their parents teach them if they don't fit with their ideas and contradict them and even protect children from their parents because they have old-fashioned views about religion. That's not right. And whatever your circumstances, I trust that it wouldn't happen to you children, but if you're taught things by your teachers, that are contrary to the good word of God teaching that you get from your parents, you don't listen to them. And parents, please do not subject your children to a situation in which your authority, your responsibility, will be usurped, taken over by people that don't share your faith and values. There are a lot of people that are ready and eager to do that. The reason that God gives for such obedience is that it's right. But it's also made clear that uh, it's called a first commandment with promise here. What does that mean? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise actually if you If you look at the the ten Commandments, you might think, well, it's the only commandment with promise, unless we go back to commandment number two, where we hear that God shows mercy to thousands to those who love him and keep His commandments. That's kind of a promise. But it wouldn't be the first commandment with promise because that's commandment number two. And we're at number five. Well, number five is the first commandment that belongs to the second table of the law. It belongs to the second uh part of the, the commandments, those six commandments that have to do with our relationship with our neighbor, with others, rather than our relationship directly to God. And the first relationship, indeed... Is that of children to their parents. Naturally, that's the first kind of relationship that we all experience in any ordinary circumstance. It's our parents that care for us and that start to teach us from the earliest, from our earliest age. Not only that, this fifth commandment, this first commandment of the second table is foundational for all the rest. It's not only the, the commandment that we're naturally confronted with first, but it's the basis, really, for learning all the others. It's as if Paul says, Obey this one and you will soon learn soon learn what all the others mean. Because it's your parents that are going to teach you not to kill, not to steal, not to lie. And if you don't learn it from them, you might not learn it at all or learn it the hard way. But obey this and it will bring great blessing. And that's uh, also taught in our text as we listen to the incentive or the motivation that God gives in verse three, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Children and young people, you need to be absolutely convinced that uh, the way of, of obedience to God is the way of happiness. It's the way of true blessing. For our call to worship, we heard words from Psalm 34. I want to continue what this psalm says in verse 11. It says, Come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life? you really value life? Not just a heartbeat and brain waves, but do you really value what life is intended to be? Who is the man who desires life and loves many days? That he may see good, keep your tongue from evil, and your lips from speaking deceit, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. One of the many passages that hold forth the way of uh, following God's will as the way of happiness. It's throughout the book of Proverbs the proverbs is filled with such promises of blessing and walking the fear of the Lord. This passage from Psalm 34 is actually repeated by Peter in the New Testament in his letters. God gives us many promises to win us, to draw us to a life of godliness. You know that our world increasingly is marked by anxiety and, and fear and depression and sadness, suicide, even by children and young people. Young people who don't know who they are. Really, they don't know who they are. They don't know what their purpose in life really is. They don't know what a good life really involves. They don't have fixed boundaries. They don't have any certain idea that there is such a thing as truth, much less that they know it. That brings all kinds of misery. What grace God has shown to you and given you life within his church. Giving you life to parents who love you, who bring you to church, who make sure that you're taught the ways of God. Hear His love for you, also in this promise that's found in this text. There are basically two parts to it, and both are precious, and they both go together. The first is that it will be well with you. Now that's a very broad promise. It includes safety, it includes the sufficiency. That is, you'll, you'll receive whatever you really need, all the good that God, in his wisdom, knows that you need. And if he brings trouble into your life, if he brings trial, he'll turn that also to your good. It includes peace, so that you can sing, it is well with my soul, even when trials will come. And then secondly, the promise of long life on the earth, that you may live long on the earth. And again, recognize, remember that this is a, a, a promise that's lifted out of the Ten Commandments, commandments that were given to Israelites on their way to the land of Canaan, which they would think, oh yes, this means I'm going to live long in the land of promise. But here it's written to Christians in Asia Minor. It's not a promise that they're going to live in Palestine for a long time. No, the promise is expanded to the earth, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And very often that's literally true, because the ways of sin also are unhealthy ways, and they bring often an early death and all kinds of trouble. Of course, that's not always the case. In fact, the Old Testament itself doesn't teach us to to listen to a promise like this only in terms of a guarantee that you're going to live to be, what, 80, 90? One example of that is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11. God says, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. That your days may be multiplied in the land like the days of heaven, which are above the earth? What does that mean? Well, we hear similar language in the Psalms. We hear it in Psalm 72. We also hear it in uh, Psalm 89. God's promise to David that his seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon even like the faithful witness in the sky. Or to make it even more clear, in verse 28, My mercy I will keep for him forever. My covenant shall stand firm with him. His seed also I will make to endure forever. And his throne as the days of heaven. So what does the days of heaven mean? Forever. That it may be well with you, and in effect that you may live forever. The days of heaven. That's ultimately the promise that God gives uh, to his children. And they'll come to experience what Isaiah 35 says in verse 10, where it says that the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. Right? That's an Old Testament uh, prophecy of uh, the blessings of the eternal life to come. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So let these precious promises, the assurance of God's blessing, and the happiness of serving him, move you, motivate you to take this simple and direct command of God seriously for yourself. Children, obey your parents. Amen.